for the Kenai. I'm with Coburn again today, and we're back at the Shred of the Intake office recording another awesome recovery story. We're here with TJ today. How's it going, TJ? Uh, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. We've been having a we've been having some really good conversation here already this morning. We've been taking off about some things we're passionate about. TJ about recovery, and me about college sports. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> the way that you're saying that, it makes it sound like it wasn't just football. <laughs> uh, Alright man, we'll jump right into this. TJ, where are you from? Man? Um, I was born in uh, Soldotna, Alaska in uh, 1986. I grew up in Kenai, Alaska. I went to school, uh, first Sears Elementary, then I went to um, Mountain View, and then the middle school, and then high school. All, you know, My whole life has been pretty much in the... 15 mile radius. Let me think. My parents, uh, uh, I have, you know, a mom and a dad. Pretty much everybody does, right? Uh, Pretty standard. Anyway, uh, so my parents got divorced. I think I was around like six months old. So I grew uh-huh. up in uh, two different homes. Um, so I don't really remember like what life would be like with, you know, when your parents are together. Right. Well, I don't remember at all because I was six months old. Mm-hmm. But um, so. Uh, my mom, I would stay at my mom's house for, you know, uh, the five days out of the week, and then I'd go to my dad's house on the, on the weekend, and, uh, I did that for a long time, you know, up until I was 16, um, and my dad was working a lot, too, so I would stay at my grandmother's house a lot, which was pretty cool, she's a really good person. From there, like, uh, you know, I was going to school, I was doing, doing good things, um, you know, pretty normal kid, uh, other than, like, some oddball stuff like I kind of grew up in an abusive home a little bit you know um, not so much verbally but physically so I mean I had a lot of resentment to a lot of like authority figures mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's like you can't tell me what to do you know right. mm-hmm. and then um, I, I you know I didn't feel like I was getting enough tension at home like mm-hmm. so I would like act out in schools because any like bad attention right. is still attention right yeah so um, you know I got into a lot of fights I would you know do really stupid things just to get some sort of resemblance of a uh, like love or whatever have you. Right. Well, were you were you like aware of that at the time? No, or I was is not. It looking back, you're like, it oh, was looking yeah. back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I, I like. It makes sense now that I'm like like in the last five six months I've come to some a lot of conclusions that yeah. I, like I had no idea even were a thing. Right. Right. So um, from there, like. Uh, Pretty much all the way up until I was in eighth grade, like I got uh, shipped out over to Dutch Harbor to live with my aunt for a year. I did really, really well over there. Uh, you know, I was on the honor roll. Going, I n- didn't miss one day of school. You know, I didn't get in any fights. Well, yeah, kind of, but not really. Um, <laughs> that one doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you weren't as violent as you yeah, exactly. Before, yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, I moved back here, got into high school, and started playing football. Oh, let me back up for a second. Um, right before, like right around the time I left, is when I started uh, drinking for the first time. You know, I got drunk for the first time when I was like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I had uh, sexual relations for the first time when I was about 12 years old. Um, so, like, I was like, I'm a, you know, I'm 12 years old, but I'm a man, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I'm going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I smoking cigarettes, hanging out with, like, the bad kids because mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't care. Right. Like, any friendship or any connection there was good enough for me, right? I think that's the big one, dude. Yeah, especially when you grow up in a home that's disconnected in a lot of ways, you know, whether it be physical or emotional or anything like that, you know, like, 
there's a part of you that yearns for that connection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Any sort of connection. Yeah. And that's like kind of the cool thing. Not, I mean, quote, air quotes cool. About like that bad group. You can find a sense of pride in like the misfits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we all have a sense of this disconnect that brings us together. Like that group, dude, is always like, and through a lot of the stories we've heard, dude, there's a couple that come to mind and mm. like just some personal stories. Always a very accepting group. Yes. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a tempting group. When we it's get into the, the recovery part of this uh, conversation, that's one of the things I've actually found is that connection, this unity that people talk about. You know, I have to, you know what's that? I have no mm-hmm. idea what you're talking about. Because my connections were, uh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll get there when we get there. Um, so in my mind, it's like, uh, especially if you're not getting that, like the attention that you're saying, yeah. and then you have one group, and literally all you have to do is smoke a cigarette or yeah. drink a shot of whiskey and they just, they hype you up. I'm sure they're just like, oh my gosh, the yeah. madman. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, when I was 12, I was drinking and yeah, sexual relations yeah. are like, oh my gosh, this man is the legend. And then the cool. ego just yeah. gets bigger and yeah. bigger and, and you, bigger. you gotta keep doing crazier things yeah. to keep getting the reaction. Oh yeah, like, the last week was never good enough. You gotta figure out what's yeah. going on this week, right? Mm-hmm. And then soon you're known for the person, you're known as a person who does the crazy things. And right. it's just like, it's, it's kind of a downward spiral almost yeah. it can be oh dude definitely like there's a reputation there that you have to uphold well you don't have to uphold it but my mm-hmm. mind tells me that like hey if you want to keep your friends because yeah. they're always fleeting and like you got to do these things yeah and right. inside you're just afraid of rejection kind of so you got to keep yeah. revving it up mm-hmm. dude, <laughs> yeah. it's always one of those things too, when you get into like to be the crazy guy you know or like the fun guy like <clears throat> everybody's your friends so the cops show up oh yeah right. <laughs> and everyone's gone <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. Well, you you also figure out a couple things like when the cops show up. If they've shown up enough, just don't open the door. Right. Don't mm-hmm. talk to them. Mm-hmm. Kids aren't supposed to know that stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the crucial key, dude. Is like, especially twelve year olds. Yeah. Like, really aren't supposed to know that stuff. You are supposed to get caught. Yes. You know what I mean? When you're, you're like supposed 17, to get in trouble. 18, you know, and then like, mm-hmm. then that's kind of like that negative or that reinforcement where like you're kind of supposed to stop after that. You know, get times like if it comes to that. And usually, like, normal people, air quotes again. Normal people. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes lack of consequences is a lot worse. Right. Basically. I mean, Definitely. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, I lived with my dad for, like, 16 till, like, just recently, like, off and on. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, I didn't get in trouble for basically anything. Like, I could mm. go out and get drunk and fight somebody and then come home and he'd be like, just don't do that again. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, all right, I won't. <laughs> the next week I'm doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the insanity, you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, so eighth grade, like, I, I come home from uh, eighth grade, right? Um, and then I'm home for the summer, and I was supposed to go back, but I talked my mom into letting me staying. And then I started playing football, and then I found the new love of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And then with football, and if you're any good at it or whatever, comes drinking. Comes heavy drinking on the weekends, you know? And then that's when the craziness sets in, like the, mm-hmm. what did you do last night, and like, who did you fight, or who did you hurt, or did you end up with clothes on at the end of the night, or were they off, you know, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Party scene. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, and like, Pretty stereotypical, honestly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, like, it went from, like, football, my first love, to partying my first love, like mm-hmm. that connection that we were talking about. So I'm trying to build connections with whoever, doing whatever to do it, right? So um, 
like pretty soon, like my junior year, I was like, well, I'm just gonna hang out with my friends, so I'm gonna quit school. So I quit school. You know, I had a good like I maybe could have played college football or whatever, um, but I thought drinking and hanging out with my friends were more important than just doing like driving down the road the wrong like the wrong side of the road drunk and thinking it was funny. That's that's crazy. Yeah, true. Um, that's dangerous behavior. Yes. It, yeah, and then like that's that God complex. Like nothing ever is gonna happen to me, and I will never get hurt. Like I mm. I thought I was invincible. You know. Right. Mm. Um. So, so like, what's I mean, obviously, you want to hang out. Like, did you have like a job in mind, or like, did you no, just dude. one day we're nope. just like, I'm just gonna quit <laughs> nope. school? Yeah, I was just like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I, I give up. I'm gonna go drink on the like. First, it was the weekends, and then it turned into like every other day, or and then every day. It was just it. It got out of hand, and then. Um, what did your mom and dad say when you told them you were quitting school? Uh, I wasn't living with my mom, so I didn't care what she had to right. say. But my dad was like, "Oh, don't do that." But I ended up doing it anyway, and right. not really much to be said. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like uh, more of a friend than a than a dad. Yeah. Like at the end there, he was my best friend. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And I got like shortly thereafter, I got my first minor consuming, mm-hmm. camping out over at Longmere, mm-hmm. and uh, like sleeping in a car. It's like six o'clock, four six o'clock in the morning, and a park ranger knocks on the window and says, "Hey, I need a I need to give you a sobriety test." And I was like. What do you mean? Like, why don't you believe me? I wasn't drinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I blew like a one point eight or something like that, and that's already sleeping for four hours. So right. like, it, it like it was getting out of hand. So that was my life all the way up to like I was twenty two, just from sixteen to twenty two, just drinking all the time and hanging out with friends, and uh, you know, just doing whatever for what it, like just to feel basically mm-hmm. feel anything. And then after that, like, I, I got into a serious relationship. And I was dabbling in drugs by then, too. Yeah. Like, I was, like, some oxies or whatever and some mm-hmm. coke here and there, whatever. Just mainly at this time just to... Was it kind of one of those things where, like, you're at the party, someone yes. has it, and yeah. then you're yeah. like, well, I'll try it, yeah. and, like, I'm already yeah. pretty drunk anyway. Yeah, and then yeah. it turned into, like... Well, the coke thing turned into, like, a whole summer thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um... It, it started with, like, I was like, oh, I'll never do drugs. I'll just drink alcohol, which is a drug. So I'm kind of <laughs> already. Yeah. So, um, and then somebody brought Coke, and I was like, did you bring that? That's 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 horrible, man. He's like, you want some? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst. Give it here. Yep. Come on. Yeah. I'll, I'll try anything that. once. I think that's something that kind of is, like, to be hit on, too. You know, when you feel that disconnect, you know, like, I feel like when you're dabbling in that stuff, dude, like, especially when you're, like, Man, I wouldn't want any of my friends to do this. Right. I better just do it all for them. Right, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I care about them a little more than me. Right, and then it turns out to I just care about me, so I'm going to do this by myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a disconnect between consequence and action after a certain amount oh, of time yeah. spent in that in that like limbo of just kind of partying and hanging out. It's like, oh, look, this, this, nothing bad happened tonight and yeah. that night, and soon you're not even worried about it. First, you're yeah. like, man, this cocaine could really mess me up. Day 17 yeah. or whatever, you're like, all right, line it up, let's go. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah like, it's you, like, it's another night. Yeah, exactly, you know? and it's, you're, you're like playing with fire, basically, yeah. but you forget that it's fire. Well, and then, like like you said, I had that God complex, so nothing yeah. bad, or, bad ever could happen to me. So I was just like, I'll do anything. You know, I was doing... I tried ecstasy and stuff like that for the first time, mushrooms, and just all in probably like a two-year time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just doing whatever, like to get out of my my own self, like just right. doing whatever I could. And most of the time, it was just like somebody else's. Like I never went and saw it, but I knew it was gonna be there. So, 
I'm doing that for a few years, and then I get into this relationship, and I kind of calm down a little bit. Um, and I've, like I said, I tried oxys and you know other opiates and stuff, and I didn't like it. wasn't the best thing in the world. Like I, I like oh, it makes me feel pretty good, whatever. Um, so I'm in this relationship for like eight months, and like it ends badly. Like, like it was it was a, like probably the worst breakup I've ever been through. Um, just because I had feelings that I didn't know that I could actually feel. Yeah. And then, um, so I was like, well, I know, I know what opiates did for me when I was happy. Maybe they'll help me when I'm sad. Mm-hmm. So I started taking them a little bit at a time, and, like, it would take the pain away. You know, it would still suck, but, you know, you could sleep through anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit more each day, and then pretty soon I became addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Like, physically addicted to it. And, um... Like, then I became addicted to the part about not feeling. Like, mm-hmm. all the feelings and the emotions I've ever had, like, the ones I couldn't handle as a kid growing up drinking and hanging out with friends were gone. Like, I didn't have mm-hmm. to deal with them anymore. Probably does a lot for your God complex, too, because now you can't feel much on a physical level. Yeah. And an oh, dude. Emotional like, and mental level. Exactly. And then, like, you have this, I had this delusion that I was going to wake up one day and everything was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? On its own, like no work, right. no work for me. I was just gonna wake up and I'm gonna have my own house and a, you know my own. Well, I had a car, but you know cars and a family and a white picket fence and everything is gonna take care of itself. All I gotta do is sleep the rest of my life. Yeah. Or at least, or at least the pain will go away. I mean, that's the thought right. is that oh, I can't feel the pain. Maybe it's gone. Wait yeah, a certain amount of time. Like oh no, it's not. Oh <laughs> and then yeah, back well, at it I, again. Fu- I found out a few months ago that it has it never left. It was just like doing push-ups in the cellar. <laughs> 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 I love that I like analogy. That good. was awesome. <laughs> dude, that pain. If you if you are ignoring well, dude, your pain, push ups because you're pushing it down so far. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's just said, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But that's a that's a good analogy. That yeah, it doesn't doesn't go away. Yeah. Just because you don't look at it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty soon the door was unlocked and it all just came at once. Like she was like, anything that you have ever pushed down, here you go. You can have it right now. Wow. Yeah. It's it was tough to deal with there for a, a minute, but. What was that like? What was that like moment like? You know what I mean? Like that day, like when you're coming. I'm imagining it obviously happened in recovery, but mm-hmm. we'll just just like this moment. You know what I mean? You kind of catch yourself like in that whirlwind of emotion. Like um, is- well, I, I was at detox for. Uh, I was at the end there. I was on methadone, and methadone mm-hmm. is very long acting and takes a while to come off of. So I was there for 38 days, mm-hmm. which is kind of the record. Right. Not not a record I'm proud of, by the way. Right. Um, and then, uh, like, it was, I was told, like, right before I went to the Serenity House, they were like, well, you're going to start feeling some feelings that you haven't felt in a long time, and I just want you to be prepared for that. And I was like, what do you know? I feel yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I'm sitting there with, like, contempt and just, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, some resentments against people. Like, that. I have no business resenting or contempting. They're right. just here to help me, but my mind tells me that I don't need help. I'm here for another reason because mm-hmm. I, you know, I want a place to sleep at night, mm-hmm. and then so I'm just like, whatever I need to do for myself is what I'm gonna do, and that's like the selfishness, that self-centeredness, all that. I was, I lived that for a long time, and I didn't know how to break it. And I mean, honestly, that's kind of like one of those things about addiction too that we hear a lot. You know what I mean? It's like that those justifications, you know, like, and not even say justifications, but. Just the way it, like, flips your rationale, you know what I mean? Like, you, people that are obviously here to help you. Like, if you're the third, if you're looking from a third-person point of view at somebody else, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, 
oh man, that guy needs help. It's like a really good thing he's in detox. But it's you, it's like, dude, these people have no idea what they're talking about. I don't even need to be here. Exactly. Just, there's nothing to do with me. You can't help me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it just completely, like, and it prioritizes, yeah. you know, like they say, addiction is like a conniving, like a conniving disease, man, where it's like, it will try to convince you that like, this is what you need. The drugs or the alcohol, this is what you need. You don't need these people. They can't help you. This can. We gotta, we gotta go back over here. We gotta get out of here and get back to what we're doing. We're fine. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because addiction and this disease, this is the only disease that will tell you that you don't have a disease. Yeah. Like you don't have a problem. Your life is manageable. Like mm-hmm. you can, it's okay. Like yeah, you're robbing people or whatever, but you have a job. <laughs> yeah. Look on the bright side. Your addiction <laughs> says, yeah. "Yeah, you're sleeping in the gutter, but you're still eating." Right. Yeah. So, but sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's that's what it sounds like. And a common trend that I'm seeing with people who've been through addiction is that uh, you basically, once you come out of it and you make that decision to change, you're still very much selfish. And I think that's pretty natural, human condition wise. Yeah. But I think with the addition of basically pushing all that down yeah. you don't get the time to develop like caring about other people because it's yeah. really not a priority compared to feeling good yeah i mean well, i've been there my natural state is to be drunk uh high angry or hurting somebody else that's my natural state yeah so it takes a little bit to come out of that and start working a new like way of life and it kind of uh like i did this for a long time like uh, you know 13 years or whatever so i'm not expecting myself to get all this like i and i was expecting myself at the beginning like i'm gonna get this tomorrow right yeah so now it's like a little bit each day and like to build myself up to that that point where i can stay at this well you know what i'm trying to say yeah you know i'm an i was an angry person for a very very long time and Mm -hmm. to get out of that is going to take time i mean i still have some anger issues but it's like way better today than it ever was in my entire life so I can't expect myself to like change overnight. It's gonna take some time because you know I didn't get, I didn't get addicted and f- up and f- off overnight, right? I mean messed up and messed off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got to give myself the same amount of, of respect as in like, well it took this much time, so give it give it give it some time, figure it out. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up though, because I never think about that that. You know, if it's if you've been doing it for that long, don't don't be like a oh, month. You know, it's gonna be fine. Or even yeah. probably like a week is what you thought at the beginning. You're like, oh yeah, dude. by next Tuesday. Well, no, at first I thought I was you're like ready. only you need detox. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. Maybe some people only need that. Um, it's not mm-hmm. recommended, but uh, and I was like, yeah, detox and I'll be fine. Everything will be great. Like I just mm-hmm. drugs are my problem. Well, it turns out they're not my problem. Uh, the the thing that uh, lies between my head and my heart was the problem. And drugs were the symptom of this problem. It was just one, it was the easier way out. Hmm. So, to, like... We talk about that quite a bit, actually. Yeah. We find, I mean, because, dude, it's like... My brother and I actually talk about this quite often. It's like... And we bring this up in, like, the last four podcasts. It comes up all the time. Yeah. It's like one of these... But it's, like, just so important, you know what I mean? Like, Like, the use is, like, the manifestation... Of the things that lie underneath, you know, those emotional and like physical, like real, like not anymore, like really addiction, but like those big ailments, you know what I mean? Like mm. the undealt with emotions, yeah, the trauma, like yeah. stuff like that that you faced when you were young and couldn't cope, yeah. the lack of coping skills, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the use is just a manifestation of all these other things like trying to express themselves. You know what I mean? Like in a just unhealthy way. Yeah. Because like, once you get done using, like you wake up one day and like you're clean for a while and like you realize, dude, you still got some problems. Oh like, yeah. No. They don't go away just because the drugs go away. Right. You know. And then that's my that was my delusional thinking. Like yeah, drugs were my only problem. And, like, I, I honestly thought that. Like, I didn't think it was anything else. I just thought, like, using drugs <clears throat> was the thing that was hurting people. Well, it turns out I was the thing that was hurting people. And it, you know, I was hurting myself mainly. And then um, there's a man, he, told, he gave me an analogy on this. Uh, it's like dropping a uh, pebble in the pond and it rippling out and hitting the whole shore. Mm-hmm. So it starts with me. And then, like, that disruption... You know, that splash, that's where I'm at, but then it hurts everybody around me also. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but it takes time. It takes time to learn who you are and learn, like, why you're doing the things you were doing. And there's underlying issues for a lot of us. And to work through that stuff is important, you know, to be happy. And my life, I'm telling you right now, my life is better than it ever has been in my entire life. Um, I didn't know that um, this life was possible. If Mm -hmm. I would have known that, I would have done it a long time ago. But, uh, you know, I'm here today, and that's all that matters. So, give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway. So, you get out So you get out of that relationship. You're mm-hmm. using opiates more and more. Oh, yeah. Um, how old are you at this point? 22. 22? Yeah. 21, so, 22. Right yeah. around there. So, where does it go from here, then? Um, so, uh, my dad, he... Uh, back up for a second when I was 16 he had a gastric bypass and when he had mm-hmm. that gastric bypass he hurt his neck um, on the operating table so he started getting hydrocodone and I started stealing it from him like every once in a while and then pretty soon he just started giving them to me when mm-hmm. I asked for him so and that was just that was all the way up until I was 22 and then or 21 22 and then after this happened like I was getting it from him almost every day and then um, if I couldn't get them from him, then I would find them from somebody else to go buy them, and then uh, that just progressed. Like it can't. It went from like, oh, you feel like you feel horrible here. Let me. He was just trying to help me out. Like he was trying yeah. to help me feel better, and he didn't know any other way. So I'm not blaming my father for any of the things he did. It was my decisions that brought me here. Um, anyway, so it progressed into like a partnership. Like there was. Uh, like, he had a prescription, and then uh, eventually I finagled. Like, I got messed up shoulders from playing hockey and football. Mm-hmm. So I finagled my way into getting my own prescription, like a pain contract. So it was like he would get his on a certain time of the month, and I would get mine, and we would just share, like, back and forth. But we still couldn't make it through the entire month, which was which is nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all good, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, uh, and this... Literally, I didn't do anything for like eight to nine years. This was my life: was just watching movies, sleeping, and doing drugs. Sleep like, like literally nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I <clears throat> I had a couple of relationships that I was just in it for like just using them for what I could get from them, like money right. or you know rides, whatever have you. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't matter what sex, right. obviously. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter what it was. I was just at the point of just using people for what they could give me, and not for what I could bring to anybody else's life. So, I mean, it progressed and it progressed and it got really bad there for a minute. Um, you know, I was up to, uh, and yeah, I don't usually like to talk about how much I was taking because it's not really that important. But, uh, you know, I was on a pain contract and I was up to like 270 methadone, 10 milligrams a month. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't make them last two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I was, 
from 2014 all the way to 2019, I was doing that. So, um, you know, uh, and in between there, like uh, in 2010, my dad got sick with cancer. So I'm, uh, I ended up taking care of him. I got, you know, I was working for a, uh, I was a PCA working for a company, taking mm-hmm. care of him, <clears throat> and then also being, you know, messed up all the time. Kind of not yeah. a not a not a great mix right there. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> but I did. Going on. Yeah, I did. A, I did the best I could. I was going through even <clears throat> even though I didn't really feel it, like the emotions. I was going through a lot of stuff because my dad, like I said, he was my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just because we shared drugs. It was because he was al- he's always been there for me. Like yeah. even before the drug use, he was always mm-hmm. there for me. He was, you know. Anytime anything bad happened, you know, he was that hero in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I'll come take care of it. I'm not saying that's the way to do it. I'm just saying that's right. that was my life. So, um, from 2010 to 2018, he was sick. Uh, he was doing pretty good for the most part, but in 2018, it, like, in a month span, it just came, like, his cancer came back because he went through chemotherapy and all that stuff, and it went away, um... And it was like one day he was okay, and then the next day we were in the hospital, and then we were being life flighted over to Anchorage, and then he ended up passing on January thirteenth, uh, two thousand eighteen, and that was rough. I mean, that's that's when I was like, it. life doesn't even matter. Like, what's right. the point? You're gonna lose everybody anyway, so just mm-hmm. do the worst you can, you know. Right. Um, so from there, you know, I stayed at his house for a few more months, and then that got sold, so I had no place to live, mm-hmm. and then. Um, I moved over with my best friend, and, like, he's clean and sober, and I'm still there using drugs, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that went on for about six months, and, you know, he, and then he told me, he's like, dude, you, you gotta go. And I was like, like, what you, I was like, what do you mean I gotta go? He's like, well, you, dude, you need to go to, like, rehab or something, because you're not doing anything. Like, you're mm-hmm. just living, like, you're just sleeping and going to work. And then I had lost my job around that time, too, yeah. uh, for anger issues. Um, not like I, I was a piece or a, a resident assistant and it wasn't at the clients or anything. It was at mm. the people that worked there right. because I'm in control at this point. Right. I think I'm in control. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing it my way, you're not doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. And then like, and if you're not doing it the right way, I'm going to let you know, you're not doing it the right way. That's how, like, that's how messed up my thinking was. Um, so I went from there. Like, we had the conversation, I was like, okay, I'll go. And that's what I was talking about, going to detox so I could get my place to sleep back, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I was like, yeah, all I need is detox and I'll be okay. Um, you know, I'm going to mention God here, and when I say God, I don't mean, like, you know, that big bearded guy up in the sky. I mean, my yeah. interpretation of God, and God is just a title for me. It's not like mm-hmm. Jesus. or So, um, when I got there, like, I'm sitting there, I didn't want to be there, you know, not feeling very good, just... All I can do is watch movies, really, right? And I ended up staying for 38 days, and I have no idea how I did that. I have, no, like, literally no idea how I did that because I didn't want to stay anywhere for more than 10 minutes, let alone 38 days. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, and then um, I don't, I honestly, I do not remember filling out the packet to go to Serenity House. I don't ever remember saying yes. I just remember showing up, and then, like, the that feeling, like we were talking about, uh, the person said you're going to get these feelings back and they're going to kind of come back all at once and you know you're not going to know what to do but you just need to calm down and stay and figure it out I was like like I said contempt prior to investigation I was like yeah mm-hmm. whatever well I was sitting there like the first day I was there and um, 
If um, you can we just for a second, yeah. Contempt prior to investigation. I've heard some other people in recovery like just yeah. mention that, and yeah. I've never actually dove into that. So what exactly? Contempt like, prior to yeah, like it's like, like um. Is that something like you learn about like? Yeah, it's like yeah. um, like detox can't help me. Like right. Serenity House can't help me because they have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know me. My pain is way worse than anybody else's pain. Anybody else has gone through. So mm-hmm. I have contempt for these people. Way before I've even investigated it, like way before I even right. tried it out. Mm-hmm. So this is this is one of the things that lead us back into uh, right. using drugs. Is that one of those stuff. things you talk about, like in house? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you talk about it out of house too, right? Um, you know, at other places. Um, so uh, yeah, let me just, uh, mention that I am part of the recovery twelve step program. Right. So like sh- we learn a lot about ourselves like mm-hmm. every day and then it's an honest program so we have to be honest with ourselves first right and then like also when you get into recovery you get your conscience back and you get this thing called guilt back that i hadn't <laughs> yeah. felt in a long time mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to do the wrong thing now and like not tell anybody about it because it eats mm-hmm. me up like mm-hmm. um anyway uh yeah it's 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 a whole new world out there. It's different. It's different living an honest life. Right. I, like, even when I was younger, I didn't live an honest life. Mm-hmm. Like, I was lying all the time. I was cheating, stealing, whatever have you. <clears throat> but now it's these things that I did in my past don't have to be the pain of my future. Mm-hmm. And to live to live this kind of honest life, is it's actually a, it's a great thing. And life is so much easier today. Like, the peace that I have today is, like, doesn't even come close to any high that I've ever had. Right. So, I mean, I can fall asleep at night, you know, no problem, because I have a clear conscience. I hadn't hurt anybody today. I hadn't stolen anything. I hadn't, you know, whatever. You know, I haven't uh, went to work high, mm-hmm. you know. So, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's really good life, and I, I recommend it if you are in your addiction and you're going through a rough time. It just takes a little bit of time to get out of that. But once you get out of that, you can see that life, there's a meaning behind our life. It's not mm-hmm. just what we can do for ourselves either. That kind of leads back to that contempt before investigation in a sense because yeah. while you were basically, you know, taking, what, like 230 pills every two weeks about? Yeah, 270. 270, yeah. yeah. So basically at that point, I would assume every emotion but this kind of vague euphoria, that's all the Oh, even the euphoria was There's pretty just no- much like, gone it was just like expended yeah it was like time to go to sleep take some pills yeah wake up time to go to sleep take some pills like i was barely awake for a few minutes and then i was back to sleep yeah unless i was watching a movie then i I don't like that's one thing about doing drugs too you can watch the same movie 15 times and it still be new every time because you're like yeah it's like just seeing it through like tinted like backwards uh binoculars just yeah not there yeah. So even after all that, where basically you didn't really feel anything at all, and then you come off this and you go through these really intense emotions that you haven't felt in forever. Yeah. But after all that, and still experiencing pain today in the same way, yeah. You know th- th- that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. It's still worth it to you. You say this life oh, yeah. is so rewarding, and this is kind of like the contempt before investigation, because now you've investigated yeah. what is a sober life. What yeah. is that like? Is that worth not feeling any pain, like versus not feeling any yeah. pain rather? And uh, it is. It is worth going through the struggle, and it's just yeah. awesome to hear you say that. Oh, sorry. That now that it, 
I mean, it seems obvious, but at the time, you were like, there's no way that's going to be good. Yeah, well, there's a, a couple of things that I didn't touch on, but that was writing, like a week before I went into the house, I was writing with, um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me telling you guys this, my brother, he's also in recovery. He's, like, he's got like four months longer than I do. And, and her, uh, and his friend. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and I just, I actually just told him both this the other, or yesterday. It's like, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, they look happy, but I'm never gonna have this. Like, this, uh, this is not possible for me. You know, I'm different. Like, I don't know how they did it, I don't know why they did it, but it's not gonna happen for me. But I ended up going and doing it anyway, and like, it, I proved, like, I proved myself wrong. I proved that, um, that voice in my head that tells me that, I'm different than everybody else, that I don't need anybody else, that, you know, all I need is a bed to sleep in and a handful of pills. That, like, sh that addict voice, that ego voice, they're kind of hand-in-hand with me. Um, tells me I don't need anything, anyone, like, at all, ever. Um, and I proved, like, I proved that part of me wrong, which is awesome, and, like, it, it still kind of gives me goosebumps thinking about it because it's, like... My eyes are a little bit op more open each day. Yeah, like a couple weeks before, or a week or so before I got into uh, rehab, um, my brother is also in the recovery program, um, and he was doing it like four months before me. So I think I, my sister was giving us a ride, and I think I just came here to the intake office to get the packet to go to uh, detox. And she, had, she was dropping my brother and uh, his friend off, and she, they both had around the same amount of time. And I like I remember, like consciously looking at them and being like, "That that's never gonna be me." They, I mean, they look happy, they look healthy, they look like they're on the right track, but that's never gonna be me because like my pain and my suffering is way worse than anybody else's, and that's that like selfishness, the self-seeking stuff that you know, I'm different than everybody else. This is my ego too. Um, you know, you haven't gone through the same things I've gone through. Uh, and, you know, a lot of us, we have similar, like, things we've gone through, and then uh, some of us, like, don't have any similar things at all. But we all have that same, like, uh, feeling of that hopelessness that we went through and that, uh, like, the pain of loneliness and, you know, um, depression and all that. So, there, like, it doesn't matter if you grew, like, you lived in a mansion and I lived on the ditch or whatever in, in the mm -hmm. gutter. We both have that common bond of, like... Uh, life was hopeless and just being unhappy about everything like there was literally nothing that made me happy even drugs didn't make me happy anymore so you know I remember looking at them and just like how am I ever going to get this because so um, and eventually like you know I went in there I went into detox in 38 days there was no recovery in, in detox for me this was just a place for me to get cleaned up so I could find recovery and uh, like I was saying like I stayed there for 38 days, have no idea how I did it, because like, I wanted to leave every day, but I didn't, for whatever reason. And then, like, I remember, I don't remember really filling out the packet for um, Serenity House, and I don't remember ever saying yes to going to Serenity House. I barely remember the um, interview or whatever it was to go in there. <clears throat> anyway, so I remember showing up my first day, and I'm sitting there, right, and, uh, like, no, it was the second day, because I, I showed up through half the day, and then... I woke up the next day, didn't really sleep very well, um, sitting at the table, and if you've uh, ever been in, in that room in there, there's a bunch of handprints on the wall, and there's some sayings next to the handprints, and there was this one on the ceiling, and it said, it, two handprints in the middle of it said surrender, 
And that's when like that feeling, those feelings that we were talking about came mm-hmm. back and they started all coming back all at the same time. And I started crying and I was like, what is, where is this coming from? Like, I was like, maybe I'm just depressed that I'm here. I don't know what it is. Well, it turns out like I, mean, I was a little depressed because, you know, I'm also losing something I knew my entire life, which was drugs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, comfort and sort of sorts. So I'm grieving the past me, but I'm also feeling a bunch of stuff that I have never felt. It, well, not never, but haven't felt in years and years and years, you know, and I never really grieved when my dad passed, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm feeling all th- those emotions too. And like, it was, it was a struggle for a minute there. Like mm-hmm. it was a real big struggle for a minute. I mean, I, I don't recommend doing this because maybe this is just what it took for me to make it through is <clears throat> three days into it. I actually left Serenity House. Um, because I was like, I'm tired, like, I just want to sleep, and I don't, I don't, I just want to be left alone. I wasn't sleeping anyway, because I was still going through uh, withdrawals. Mm-hmm. So, like, a bed change was going to, like, change that, right? right? Like, that's my delusional thinking again. So, I, I left, I walked down the road, and um, this is, like, like, where, you know, my higher power kind of showed himself a little bit. Um... So I walk down the road, and I'm standing, like, thumbing for a ride, right? And usually I can get a ride within, like, five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there, like, 20 minutes, half an hour. And the first person that drives by is my sister's husband. And, and like, yeah, the, and then he didn't give me a ride, didn't pick me up or anything. But he, when he goes to work, he takes a right to go to Homer mm-hmm. instead of a left to go into K Beach. Mm-hmm. And he took a left that day to go get something to eat, which he never does, which is crazy in itself, right? And then, so I'm there for another 20 minutes. I didn't even see him, but I'm there for another 20 minutes, and the first person that shows up is my sister. Like, I could have got a ride at any time, right? So um, she picks me up. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, uh, I don't want to go back. I don't like it there. And she's like, well, you just need to do it. So we have this conversation. Anyway, um, so I was like, I just want to smoke a cigarette, and then we'll go back to the intake office or whatever. I don't know. Um, so I smoke a cigarette, and I hop back in the car. She's like, okay, we're going over to this place, and it was a my who is now one of my sponsors works mm-hmm. oh. or his work uh and like i had met him before and um so we went and we ate lunch and that's when he became my sponsor and walking into that there's a few other things that happened but walking in like i'm wearing my dad's sweatshirt that says bad company on it it's mm-hmm. like one of his one of the last things i have of him and on the jukebox is playing bad company <laughs> and then i was like hmm hello mm-hmm. you know <laughs> And then, like, it still kind of gives me goosebumps thinking about it today. There's so many, like, uh, synchronicities that have happened to me since then, like the things that, I mean, you can explain them away, but I, I just don't anymore because it, like, doesn't really make sense to. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things happened on that day, and I ended up going back about four or five hours later to Serenity House, and I stayed the entire time I was there. Uh, I, I didn't try and do, like, get away with anything. I didn't smoke cigarettes while I was there, you know. Um, I try, and that's, which is not like me, because I'm trying to take any angle to get out faster, you know, or to get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I ended up saying, and then, um, I remember, uh, being read this thing, which it, uh, made, like, it's one of those aha moments, too, because I grew up Catholic and going to church and stuff, and, you know, this is, this is what God thinks, and if you don't do this, then you're going to go to hell and all right. this. And this person had read this thing to me, and it said that, um, basically, said that I don't have to comprehend God. I don't have to put a label on it. I don't have to follow a religion. I just have to have. I just have to know that there is a God out there, or there is a higher power than me. And mm-hmm. and like the higher power, it's not me, because 
if I was a higher power, I definitely wouldn't be sitting here right now, right. you know, as a drug addict and an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I would probably be a billionaire somewhere, you know. Yeah. All I know mm-hmm. is I didn't make the sky, you mm-hmm. know. I didn't make the sunrise today. So I call it the universe and energy, you know. Mm-hmm. You can call it whatever you want. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's just, like, what these things that kept me there. Like, right. because I opened up my mind <clears throat> a little bit more to... to um, other people's experiences and stuff right. instead of just my own um and then now like i'm like full on into this whole recovery thing like before mm-hmm. I, like i was just kind of there mm-hmm. um because my life is good today um i have a son you know he was born when i was in rehab and i definitely wanted to be there for him but i realized i had to do that first before i could mm-hmm. be part of his life and i see him almost every day now nice. which before wouldn't have been an option like right. At all. Sleeping too much. <laughs> well, that and, like, who wants to be around an asshole 24-7? Right. Mm. Um, you know, and the relationships that I went through, like, the re- relationship I was in with this person, like, I just treated her horribly. Like, she, that, you know, there's no excuses behind it, but I was, a, I am a drug addict, and I was in my addiction, and I was out for what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So, it just, like, it was break up, get back together, break up, get back together, and then, like, that delusional thinking like, okay, if we get married, this is going to solve our problems, right? right. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we have a kid, this is going to solve our problems. Mm-hmm. Which is just nuts. Like like I said before, I was like, I'm going to wake up one day and everything's going to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. It takes work. It takes time. Like, you have to give yourself a chance. Um, you know, life is better on the other side. I promise. I promise that. It's a promise. I think that, like, you know, being able to feel kind of goes two ways you know what I mean because like when you're in your addiction like yeah you don't feel Mm -hmm. you don't feel the pain right you don't feel any of these negative things you don't feel any of the good things either zero I mean like you just don't feel anything like yeah you don't like like, your happiness is gone like you you don't have the ability to for one like physically um you don't have like in your brain you don't have the ability to feel happiness anymore because all the dopamine from my brain is being used up all the time right so it's very it's lacking so it, it takes them like when you first get out of the using, it takes a minute to build that stuff back up. Mm-hmm. It actually takes up to two and a half years before your brain's healed. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying like it normal healed. I'm just saying like before it's healed from the damage you've done. Um, like there's a lot of dark places in my brain, like the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've done scientific um, things on this. Uh, that mm-hmm. it's dark, like they, uh, pet scan people and it's oh, dark right. the activity, it's dark yeah. yeah the decision making part of your brain mm-hmm. yeah that's dark so it takes time for it to light back up and mm-hmm. the way so to do that this is when like the one time I really want Eric to be here <laughs> <laughs> Eric so Eric's a psych major right yeah he loves talking about this stuff. Yeah. And he loves to interject and always be like, well, I learned in this one class once. <laughs> and then this is be like the perfect time for him to interject. Yeah. But yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. Like the research behind that, especially cause like you're, I learned this, I learned this in class the other day. Oh, wow. Wink, wink. You went to school. I did. Hell yeah. I nice did. Job. And, um, what's ninth grade like? Dude, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you barely passed. You're only, <laughs> you're only seven grades above me. <laughs> but you're like, it's really odd, dude, that like in humans, your prefrontal cortex is like the last thing to develop in your brain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 20, yeah like, 25. Just, like one of the most important parts of your brain, yeah. the, the things that like affects a lot of your behavior is the last thing to actually yeah. develop. So you, if you can refrain from using like drugs or alcohol, like abusing drugs or alcohol, yeah. 
until you're 25, 26, 27, yeah. you're a lot better off and like way more likely to reach your maximum potential than if you don't. Yeah, well, turns out I didn't, so right. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. But Amen, brother. it also makes sense that, that that part would kind of turn off because you have the, the amygdala in kind of the center of the brain, yeah. really small, but it's all about raw emotion. It's yeah. fast responding, but once I think once you kind of make that make all the decisions the yeah. prefrontal cortex is like i don't really have to make a judgment call yeah. like this is easy we don't need this yeah Just shut it down yeah. well yeah you, i mean you start out with these morals when you grow up right like you learn these things like don't hit don't steal don't rob people mm-hmm. <laughs> don't go to jail you know things like that but then like further on of you know you get in your addiction you start like twisting those morals and pretty soon like anything like you can do anything because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter anymore right so um, getting those things back now is kind of, it's not a struggle, but it is kind of the work process, the main work mm-hmm. process. And once you get them back, like once you get that conscience and the guilt back, I mean, it sucks, but it's a great thing. Like, right. And then now I know when I'm not being very uh, spiritual. When I say spiritual, it just means good. Because mm-hmm. uh, spirituality just means being a good person to me. Right. Um, so like I know when I'm being an or I know when I did something wrong, like now, or I know when I'm hurting somebody else because I can feel it now when I didn't before. Mm-hmm. Or if I did even feel any resemblance of it, just a handful of pills would take that away. Right. And it was just easier to do something worse the next time. Mm-hmm. Because if I already did that, like, it's a progressive thing. And interestingly enough, you know who else has a prefrontal cortex that's kind of blacked out? Who? Sociopaths. Yay! Yeah, no, I mean, it's not saying that the two are related, but it's it's well, interesting you talking about that. You're yeah. like, I'm rediscovering basically my morality, yeah. which is something that kind of sociopaths lack. They just, yeah. you know, they're like, I want that thing. That person's in my way, kill them. Well, like, that's basically what you become as a sociopath. Yeah. It's just about you at that point. It's not about <laughs> anybody else. It's like what the next person can give you. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's like there's a recovery period almost from going into that that moralist ground and then yeah. coming back out of it. There's like readjustment, but you can kind of get it back. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Definitely. It, it will come back if you let it come back. Mm-hmm. And then, but the the port part is you have to you have to feel these things. So you can't just push them down. I mean, you can. It's not recommended because you're just gonna go get sick again and go back out because you're not gonna like they will come back regardless. Mm-hmm. You, like the feeling and the thing is, I know I have a guide to deal with these things today. I mean, I have a bunch of coping skills that I'd never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, I just take it out of my hands completely. If like, if I'm doing something that I'm not sure about, I call somebody else first. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm saying, what, what's your opinion on this? And maybe I don't agree with them, so I call somebody else. So if I get it three different times, then I'm probably messing up, right? Mm-hmm. But right. the person I uh, go to now is the person I trust very, very much. And uh, he hasn't steered me wrong yet. And mm-hmm. so if he says, you know, this is probably not the best idea, I'm going to go with that. Right. There's a saying, it says, you know, first, I, first thought wrong, mm-hmm. second thought wrong, third thought, call your sponsor. Right. <laughs> but so. what a <clears throat> kind of laying down pride and being willing to basically have a couple other people make that decision for you, yeah. people that you trust. Mm-hmm. But that takes a lot. That t- it takes a lot for people even to reach out for help. Yeah. So to have you who previously in your life, you know, you're like, I'm always right. It's my yeah. way or the highway. Get out. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm going to call three people to see if this decision yeah. is okay. Just that contrast is yeah. so awesome to see that you can have that kind of reversal of ego where yeah. it's like, it's all about me to, I have support and I'm going to use that. 
Well, there, I mean, my, awesome. e my ego is still there. It's not as fast as it used to be, but it's mm -hmm. still there. But, like, I fight against it now instead yeah. of, like, just acting on it. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, there was something I was going to say. Like, I was like, oh, light bulb. But now I can't so, remember. So we can turn it back on. Uh, yeah. We're talking about. Um, <clears throat> oh no! Yeah, there's a there's a certain amount of surrender there. Like you have yeah. to. Like I'm not powerful by any means. I can barely take care of myself. Like, <laughs> so I I need help. I need help from you know my friends in and out of the recovery community. I need help from my family, and I'm not afraid to ask. I'm not tired of talking about monetary stuff. I'm talking about like life things. Like there are things that are like. Let me start out by saying this. Just because I'm in recovery and my life is better and great now, like not, I'm not going to say great, but it's a whole lot better than it was. Doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Because right. bad things have happened since I, you know, been in recovery. But I know how to, like, I know there's a way to deal with these things now. When before I was just like, well, bad thing happened. I'm going to go use drugs. Like when my dad passed away, there wasn't like, <clears throat> okay, these are the things I'm going to do to honor his memory, and you know, this is a funeral and all this stuff. My first thought was go use drugs mm -hmm. and then when those drugs end go use some more drugs you know so like when something bad happens immediately and again this is uh i'm gonna touch on god a little bit here but it's it's not like again it's not that bearded guy up in the sky it doesn't have to be i pray like and i ask for guidance like i and i ask for willingness um you know and then I'll call my sponsor because usually, like, he's got like he's got enough time under his belt. Like he's come across a lot of things, so he will he'll steer me in the right direction. And if he doesn't know, he will tell me he doesn't know, and he will call his sponsor, you know, or he'll call somebody else. So there's like there's plenty of help out there if you're willing enough to ask for it. Mm -hmm. So and I I I've. <laughs> Our listeners have, have heard this many times, but just touching on that topic again, of, I think using that network of support, which you have, is even more difficult in Alaska just because there's that settler's kind of mindset. You oh, have yeah. If you cannot make it by yourself, mm -hmm. then what is wrong with you? Kind of. Exactly. Like you're, you're not climbing in, you're not climbing the mountains and, yeah. and hunting and stuff and you can't control your home life or whatever, yeah. then, well, you must just not be cut out for it. And it's, it's not i mean humans are we're, we're we like to hang out together i mean so as much as is. as much as everyone is like ah oh, people suck you here yeah ah, i go shopping and there's all these people in the way i'm, ah. I'm all peopled out <laughs> yeah ah, airports ah. anyway but <laughs> but in the end there's also really helpful side to it if you're willing to take advantage yeah. of it well that you know there's there's a mountain and i'm climbing it right, right. but um and i have to do it like i have to take my own path there but there's somebody climbing right next to me Mm -hmm. that's either a little bit higher than me doesn't mean they're better or worse they're they're mm -hmm. just on the same path and they've experienced a little bit more of it so like why it'd be crazy for me not to ask for help from mm -hmm. somebody when i like that that's this is crazy me even saying this because like a couple like you know a year ago whatever have you i like i was always right doesn't matter what it was and if there was an argument even if i thought you might be right i would come out the other side of it just to prove you wrong so mm -hmm. it, it, like I, it was a real big issue for me for a while. Mm -hmm. So I just like I surrendered to the fact that I don't know most everything. Like there's a few things I know about um, and still like I don't know everything about it. Right. Um, and I'm not always right, even though that hurts to say sometimes. <laughs> um, and I do need help. It, it, I'm going to need help for the rest of my life. 
this is not like a one and done kind of a thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, now you got it, you're good for the rest of your life. This is an ongoing process that I'm going to have to do for the rest of my life, which is, sounds daunting, but it's really not. Um, the, like, once you start getting in the groove of things, it just becomes a way of life and it becomes a good life. Um, yeah. Like, I recommend it. I recommend if you're going, like, if you're sitting on your couch right now, if you're in your addiction and your life is horrible, give yourself a chance. Just, you know, call somebody. I'm sure, or Facebook somebody. I'm sure there's somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that can help you. Or come to Salatna, there's an intake office here. You know, uh, they will help you. It doesn't matter, you know, where you've come from, how much money you have, they will help you. Um, nobody deserves. The office is at 245 North Binkley Street. You can also call the Sunday Intake Office, um, and they'll get you set up with whatever help they can give you. You know, and whatever help you're ready to take. Honestly, yeah. And so that number is 907-714-4521. Yeah, TJ, man, thank you so much. Um, really glad we had you on today. One more question, and then we'll get ready to wrap up. Um, All right. If there was if there's one thing you could tell yourself a year ago, from you today to you a year ago, mm-hmm. what would that thing be? You're worth it. You know, there's going to be some pain, there's going to be some struggle, but, like, we're going to, I will come out of this thing ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having relationships that I never thought were possible with my, like, I was talking about my brother. Our relationship there was messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, uh, what could we get from each other? We have a great relationship now. I have a relationship with my son, which was never going to be possible in my addiction. Um, so just give yourself a chance is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Give yourself some time to grow. And, you know, if you want to stay, great. If you don't, we'll gladly refund, uh, refund your misery. So, <laughs> anyway, I appreciate you guys letting me talk. It's... Uh, it's been an honor. Oh, dude, yeah. no, thank you, man. We really appreciate having you here. And just one last point. If you're out there and you believe that uh, it's just going to be a lot of work, this whole recovery thing, it's not going to pay off. You're just going to have to do a bunch of stuff, and it's all going to be a flop because no one can help you. I believe that you're wrong. I just I think you're wrong. And it's at least worth trying. It's at least worth taking the step and being going out there and seeing if there is something that, that is worth it that can help you to try to get a life that you feel is is worth living that's uniquely yours and that's worth being in every day mm-hmm. so i just think that's uh important yeah thank you very much for listening this is you and i for the keynote